Well, hey, New Life Church. My name's Kevin, I'm the campus pastor here. We're so glad you joined us right here on the digital campus. I'm excited about today. We got our very own Harry Bates, one of our executive pastors here at New Life. He's also our campus pastor at our West Little Rock campus. He's gonna be speaking on the parable of the obedient servant. And I don't know anybody better than to speak on this topic than Harry Bates. Pastor Rick asked him to come on today and bring us this message. So I want you to lean in today and learn something from Pastor Harry as he teaches this word. We're going into worship now, and as we do that, wherever you are, whether in your car or your house, maybe you're walking down the road, let's just focus on the Lord right now. Maybe you have some things that that you've been discouraged by this week. Maybe you feel heavy in your heart, and maybe this is the time where you can give that to the Lord. So come on, let's pray right now before we go into worship. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for everybody that is watching right now. God, whether we live in Arkansas or states around America, or maybe even overseas that's watching it, God, I just pray that you would move among us today, God. May your presence be with us, Lord. God, there could be some that are on here that are heavy-hearted, God, they're discouraged. God, I pray even through these songs of worship, as we lift up your name, God, that chains would be broken, Lord, that peace would come to those who need it. So God, we just ask that you be with us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Of you. 
I love that song right there. I love where it says, Jesus changes everything. We believe that with all of our hearts here at New Life Church. That's why we're in the Life of Christ study. I hope and pray that you are with us in this study. And I'm so glad that you guys have joined us today. For those of you that maybe don't know me, my name is Harry Bates. My wife, Cheryl, and I, we are the campus pastors at our West Little Rock campus under the leadership of Pastor Rick and Michelle Bizet. I'm just so thankful for their friendship, for their leadership, and I'm, I'm just so thankful and honored that I get to speak to you today. I know this, 2020, it's been a crazy year. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about how crazy a year it's been. He said, man, Harry, this feels like the longest three years of my life. And I said, hey, I'm right there with you. I mean, here it is. We're still fighting COVID. There's a lot of fighting going on out there, but honestly, the most important fight that we have going on is what the Apostle Paul called in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He called it the good fight of faith. And I don't know about you, but I'm still fighting that fight with everything I've got, and I hope you are too. And before we get into our main text in Luke chapter 17, I want to talk to you actually about a fighter, about a boxer. He was a champion boxer. I heard this story about he was in one of the biggest fights of his life, and it was one of those just knockdown, drag out, big pay-per-view fights, tens of millions of people watching this fight, and all eyes are on him on the big stage, and he wins the fight. As soon as the fight is over, the reporter's up there in the ring, puts the microphone in front of him and says, how did you do it? How were you able to win this fight tonight with all this pressure in front of all these people? And he said, you know what? I won this fight six months ago. You see, six months ago, my trainer had me up at four in the morning and I was up an hour before my opponent was up. My trainer had me working harder than him. Whatever he asked, I did it. And that's when I won the fight, when nobody was looking. That's some really good advice. Just think about it. If his trainer said, do a thousand sit-ups, if he said, run five miles, if he said, you know, hit the punching bag 1,500 times, which I'm getting tired thinking about all this, he obeyed his trainer. As a result, he won the fight. Well, I want to tell you this. I want you to win the fight. And I think winning the fight comes down to obeying God. Honestly, obeying God when nobody's looking. It's praying. It's seeking after God. It's in the Word. It's serving, it's tithing, it's giving when nobody's looking. So when all the eyes are on you, that whatever you do and say is going to bring all glory to God. And I know this. I know we get excited when the pastor talks about, hey, today we're going to talk about you having a blessed life, having a blessed marriage, having great provision in your life. We all get excited. Here's what I can tell you. The common denominator to having every one of those things is obedience. And that's what we're talking about today. I want to give you another example I was thinking about. You know, I'm, I'm here in the Conway building today, the Conway campus, our original campus. And I love this campus. It has just so many of you. But in this building, I mean, there's just hundreds of doors. There's doors everywhere. I mean, we got front door, back door, side doors. We got little doors. We got big doors. We got all kinds of doors. And there's a lot of different locks probably at least 20 different keys needed to open every lock in this building. Well, I don't carry around 20 keys. I carry around this key right here. This key right here, this is a master key. I've got a master key. I'm kind of a big deal if you don't know that. But here's what I know about this master key. It gets me into every door, every door in this building. And there is a master key that opens up every door in the kingdom of heaven. It opens up the door 
to a great marriage, to an amazing family, to a future you've always dreamed of, to so much blessing. And that key is the key of obedience. I know this, King David, he had a servant, his most faithful and obedient servant of all, and his name was Eliakim. And Eliakim, he would just serve David every single day. And because he was so faithful to David, as a result, David gave Eliakim, he gave him the key to all of his houses, to his kingdom. He had full access to anywhere he wanted to go because of his faithfulness and obedience to God. So here's what I want you to know is, God wants you to be obedient to Him, to His plan. More important than that, He has a specific type of obedience that He can use, that only He can use. And I want to tell you about the type of obedience that God is looking for, the type of obedience that He can use for His glory. And we're going to talk about that today in the parable of the obedient servant. Obviously, this isn't probably the most well-known parable, but I think it's a powerful parable that we're going to learn about today. So you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 17. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10 in just a minute. And just like many of the other parables in the Word of God, in this parable, Jesus is going to ask two very direct questions of his audience there. And uh, he's also going to be asking one much larger overarching question that we've got to get to in just a second. And so let's look at verses 7 through 10. Let's check this out. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. All right, so look. In that time, it's clearly different than it is today. In the Roman Empire at that time, the Jewish people, many of them, they were, they were slaves, they were servants, they knew about a life of servitude. Obviously to us, that's pretty appalling to us. But for them, this was the norm. And I think that's important for you to know as we look at this. So he says again, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he, talking about the master, won't he say to his servant, prepare my supper, get yourself ready. You wait on me while I eat and drink. And after that, you may eat and drink. Will he, talking about the master, will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, you should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. You know, looking back at this, just like I said earlier, they were used to going out and serving their master. So this first question is pretty much slam dunk for them, right? I mean, so they would go out, they would serve their master in the field all day, they would come in all sweaty and grungy, and they would immediately know, hey, we gotta take our clothes off, we gotta put on clean clothes to serve the master and his family. So that was an easy answer to that first question that Jesus asked. And then the second question, Honestly, it was just as easy as that one. Like, why, why in the world would the master ever have to say thank you to the servant for the servant just doing his job? This is what he was supposed to do. But here's what we know is, in this parable, Jesus is asking a much larger, overarching question. And here is the question that he was asking of the audience there and of his readers today. 
Is the master actually indebted to the servant for everything that the servant has done for the master? Well, let's look back. Let's see. Remember what was Jesus' response right here at the end. He says, So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, you should say, We are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. The message he's conveying clearly there is. The master doesn't owe the servant, nor does God owe us for serving him. And here's the key point that we've got to get today, and that is this, is that when we serve God, we don't serve God for a reward. We serve God because he is God. He is worthy to be served. He is worthy of our worship. He doesn't owe us anything for our service to him. In fact, he has already paid us by giving us his son. So when he commands, we obey. We were created for his glory to do his will. Well, I'm also well aware that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Listen, a good father loves to reward his children for the things they do, but it's always about the motive. And that's where God's at in this. Like, What's the motive in our heart? Like, why are we serving him? Why are we obeying him? I'm going to give you a good example here. Let's say I go out and I buy Sherilyn, my wife, a beautiful diamond necklace. I walk in and I hand her this diamond necklace. She opens it up and she's like, oh my goodness, Harry, I can't believe you've done this for me. And I take the necklace, I put it around her neck, and she's like, I love it. And I'm like, you love it? She's like, I love it. And I'm like, okay, can I go buy that Benelli 12-gauge shotgun that I've really been wanting now? And she's like, what? She's like, wait a minute. You just were trying to manipulate me. You didn't really care about getting me the necklace. You just wanted the gun. That's what I call a gift for a gift gift. But now what if I walk in and I hand her this box. She opens it up. It's this gorgeous diamond necklace. And she is blown away. Like She's like, this is so stunning, Harry. And I put it around her neck. And she's like, I can't believe you did this for me. And I go, baby, look at me. There is no person on the planet that I love more than you. And where this came from, there's a lot more. You got a lot more coming. She's going to be like, hoo, 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 baby, I hit the jackpot when I married you. And I'm like, no, that's enough. I'm going to say, okay, one more time. Say it one more time, baby. Um, just kidding, kind of. But here's what I want you to know. You can never forget this. This is so important. It's the motive that makes all the meaning. There's where God's at. I think we all need to ask ourselves right now, why are we serving God? Why do we obey God? Is it because we want something in return from Him? Is it because we have this, this laundry list of prayer requests that we're wanting Him to get to? Or do we serve and obey God? Because He is God. He is so worthy to be worshipped for us to serve and obey Him because He gave us His best. He gave us His Son, Jesus, and He's already paid the price for us. So let's do this. This last part, what I'm describing to you, that's the kind of obedience that God can use. So how do we get that kind of obedience and then how do we keep it? I'm going to give you four quick ways that we can do that. The first one is this. We have to trust that he has the best in store for us. You see, many people, they've been hurt by church. They've been hurt by other people. 
and they misunderstand where the hurt came from. Over time, the enemy convinces them that that hurt came from God and they get mad at God. They get hurt at God. But listen, it wasn't God. Listen, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a great hope and a future. Listen, God has the best plans for us. I think about when we go on vacation. I love going on vacation with my family. And you know, it's always good that you have a plan, that you have a roadmap, that you know where you're going. Well, back in the day, a long, long time ago, when we go on trips with our family, we used to have to have a map or an atlas. And uh, those almost ended our marriage. And as they have ended many marriages in the past, Praise God, Siri has come along, GPS has come along, and it's kept us all from getting lost and getting in fights with our spouse. And here's what we love most about Siri, right? Is she's always giving us shortcuts, showing faster ways that we can get there. But I'll never forget one time, Justin and I, my son, we were out hunting somewhere. I can't remember exactly where we were at, but anyway, Siri was going to take us through the middle of a lake, and I'm sitting there going, Siri's going to kill us. Like, Siri's trying to drown us. I've actually heard here recently that they've had some glitches with Siri and the GPS and that, and that they've had families, they've had people that it was taking shortcuts when they were going through Death Valley and then also through the mountain ranges of Oregon that people have ended up totally lost. And that Siri, they got lost, they had no connection, and literally search parties were going out to find them. Let me tell you this. Unlike Siri, God's never going to get you lost. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, he says this. He says, He will never leave you or forsake you. I want to tell you this. There will be times in your life you're going to feel like you're in Death Valley, like I just mentioned. David, King David, he actually said that he felt like he was in the valley of death, in Death Valley. Psalm 23, verse 4. Listen to what David said. He says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley... He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. David wants us to remember. He wants us to know God's going to be with us. He's always with us. Why? Because he loves us and he cares so much for us. But here's what we need to know. Our sinful nature, it's a lot like Siri. It's always trying to take shortcuts. Our sinful nature is like, you know, hey, you've kept a lot of commands. So, you know, these, these commands over here, they're not real profitable for you. So I don't think you have to do those. Well, listen, that's not obedience at all. Real obedience is when you're willing to obey all of God's commands. And that's the kind of obedience that God is looking for. And once you fully trust Him, I think you can move on to the next one, which is this. It is to relinquish control to Him. You know, in Proverbs chapter 3, Verse 5 and 6, talking about relinquishing control to God, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And one translation says, Submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. He will direct your paths. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want God to direct my path. But here's the problem many times is, it's hard for us to release control to Him. Strong leaders... Strong-willed children, they have trouble releasing control. Listen, my daughter, Caitlin, she was a strong-willed child. But I'm going to give you parents of a strong-willed child some encouragement. My daughter has turned out to be one of the most amazing people I know. And she is one amazing, strong leader. So you got some hope out there. But when she was young, she was a strong-willed child. And when she didn't want to do something, whew, it was rough. <laughs> She would go kicking and screaming. We, we had a fight on our hands. I'll never forget the first time we were trying to get her on an escalator. 
trying to get her to the escalator, she was not having any part of it. Here's why. Because she realized she didn't have control of where she was going. The escalator was in control. So we literally finally had to drag her up there. And it looked like the scene from Elf when Will Ferrell, he's playing Elf, gets on an escalator for the first time and like doing the splits all the way down the escalator. Like it was so funny. But here's what I know. Really prideful people, strong leaders, sometimes very, very creative people, they don't like it when you hand them a play and say, hey, I need you to run the play. They're like, no, no. I draw up the plays. I make the plays. And everybody's going to run the play that I drew up. But honestly, that's not really the way it works in God's kingdom so many times. You can, you can see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry when he prayed the Lord's Prayer. He says this in Matthew 6 verse 9. He says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done. He didn't say his will be done. He said, no, Lord, your will be done. And guess what? Jesus kept that mindset all the way to the end. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to surrender his life for us. Look what he prayed in Luke chapter 22, verse 41 and 42. It says, he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will but your will be done. I know that many times I struggle with relinquishing control. There's so many times like I'm trying really hard to let God have control, but honestly, he's not working on my timetable. I get impatient. I'm like, you know, here's the deal, God. I know you're busy taking care of all these other people, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'll take care of this one this time, and next time you can help me out. Don't worry, I got this one. And he's like, no, Harry, you need to be patient. You need to trust me. You need to wait on me. You need to let go of your control and release control to me. So here's what I want to tell you, what helps me to relinquish control to God is when I do this, when I remember I don't have one single regret in life, not one regret, when I obey God. All my regrets in life are when I wasn't obeying God. I want you to think about all your regrets in your life. I guarantee you they all come from a time when you weren't willing to obey and trust God. I know this. I sure am thankful He came through for me when I did obey Him. Which is my next point, honestly, is to have the obedience that God is looking for is that we have a thankful heart. In Psalm chapter 118, verse 1, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his faithful love, it endures forever. If we will just be thankful instead of always expecting more, sometimes we struggle not being content and being thankful for all that he's done for us and we're always wanting more. I've seen many people, you know, they're just, they're working hard, right? I mean, I think God likes hard work, but they're working really hard and they're thinking, you know, I'm, doing, I'm working harder than him and her. I, I deserve a bonus. But you know, honestly, the boss is looking at him going, hey, you're just doing your job. I mean, yeah, you're doing a good job, but you're just doing your job, and I'm paying you to do, to do your job. You don't really deserve a bonus. We need to be thankful, honestly, thankful that we have a job, especially right now during this pandemic. We need to be thankful for everything we have. But I know right now, 
in this unusual time, it's easy to probably get to a place where we're not being thankful because we can make a laundry list of all the things that we feel like we've lost, that we feel like have been taken away from us during this unusual time. But I want to tell you what, I feel like God's done a lot in my life. And if you think about it, I bet you can realize what God has done for you and you can get a thankful heart. And I had a friend of mine just the other day was telling me, in God's word, there's 6,000 promises. But if you look at those promises, there's a premise before each promise. Like we have to do our part, which is the premise. And then God will do his part and he will keep the promise. So let's look again. I want to look again back at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. I talked about this before. And here's what you will find interesting. There's three premises to the promise here. All right? It's my job to trust the Lord, to lean not on my own understanding, and to acknowledge Him. And if I will do that, then He will direct my paths. The problem is sometimes we haven't obe been obedient in keeping the premise. And so ultimately, we haven't got the promise. I can't tell you how many times that I've had people come to me going, Harry, I need you to pray for me. I just, God promises this for me, but I hadn't got it yet. And honestly, I can pray all the prayers I want to pray. Pastor Rick can pray all the prayers. Ultimately, all those prayers will not move God as quickly as your obedience to God will move Him. And so I'm praying that you're going to realize where it is you need to be obedient to God. And here's my fourth and final point, and we're going to close out with this, and that is just do it. When you think about it, most of what God asks us to do, it's really not that bold. He doesn't ask us to do that many things that far out of our comfort zone. I can think of a handful of things He's asked me to do in my life that seemed really out of my comfort zone, but for the most part, they're just pretty ordinary things that I need to do. But just like Kevin Atkinson said earlier this week, he said most of the time we don't have a hearing problem, we have a doing problem. Listen to what it says in James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. It says, Do what it says. We've got to do what the word of God says. Just do it. You see, we hear God telling us what to do, but honestly, sometimes... It's just an inconvenience to do what he's asking us to do. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to use me as for an example here. I'm not going to talk about anybody else. I don't think I'm talking down to you. I'm going to be talking to myself here because I have been like what I'm about to describe to you. There's been times God's asked me to do something, and I'm like, God, I, I'm just sorry. I'm just so busy right now. I just can't get to it right now. And he's like, look, Harry, I'm so sorry that I interrupted your little life. You know, I was up here keeping the stars in the sky, making sure the earth was spinning on its axis and the sun and the moon and the rest of the planets were just rotating in the proper path and making sure you guys on earth don't get too hot or too cold. And I was taking care of these 8 billion people and doing that. And I forgot how busy you were, Harry. I am so sorry that I interrupted your little life. As I can see right now, you're on Instagram. You're trying to get that filter just right because you're a little older than you used to be and you're trying not to look so old. So you just go ahead and focus in on that post and get it right. So you can get the right amount of, the right amount of likes on that post. And I'll find somebody else to help that hurting child. Honestly, that's pretty true sometimes. I get so focused in on what I'm doing and what's going on. I miss out on opportunities that God has for me. But let me tell you about a thought that really helps me, and I think this thought will help you. And Pastor Rick, 
so thankful for his leadership. He, he had a good friend of his in one time, Craig Rochelle, and Craig Rochelle said this, and he, I want to read this statement to you. He said, you have no idea what God can set into motion through one single act of obedience. I want to say that one more time. You have no idea what God can do through one single act of obedience. One phone call, one text message, taken stopping for a minute to help somebody in need. Maybe deciding to volunteer at the church or to start giving. Maybe it's what if you go and help in real life? You end up helping a hurting student, and that hurting student ends up surrendering their life to Christ. What if their entire family ends up getting saved? What if 10 or 12 kids uh, at their school get saved? And what if I mean, generation after generation of family members are saved. Look what's happened based on one single act of obedience. And I want to close with this verse, and then we're going to pray in just a second. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus, he said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will is doing the will of the Father, the only one that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons? And in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Obeying God with no clear expectation of getting anything back that's the kind of obedience that gets us to heaven. Obeying God, expecting nothing in return, that's the type of obedience that God can use. We serve God not for return. We serve God because He is God and He is worthy to be served and because Jesus has already paid the price. So here's what I want you to think about as we pray right now. What is God asking of you today? You would right there wherever you're at in your living room wherever you're sitting i just want to ask you go ahead and bow your head there close your eyes and i want to pray for us you know god i know that you're looking for people that will be obedient to you that will be faithful to you be willing to, to serve you to obey you expecting nothing from you you've already done so much for us god you gave your very best you gave us jesus he came from heaven to earth down across for us. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. And I know that you're speaking to me through this message. I know there's so many areas in my life that I need to be more obedient to you, Lord. And I just pray right now, Lord, I ask that you forgive me for the areas of my life that I'm not being obedient, Lord. I just believe right now there's people praying along with me right now that they're in the same boat. They need you to forgive them for the times they weren't being obedient. I just pray you show them the areas of their life right now where they can be more faithful to you, where they can be more obedient to you. And if there's anybody out there that you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I just want to ask you right now, if that's you and you want to make Him the Lord of your life and be saved here today, I want you to just pray with me right now. Dear God, I thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus. He came from heaven to earth. He died on the cross from me. He paid the price for my sins. Thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace. 
I thank you that you today, you now are my Lord and my Savior, and I plan to serve you all the days of my life. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, let's just do this right now. Let's go again right now, and let's worship Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the cornerstone. Things that we Will be. 
What a great message today from Pastor Harry Bates. And also that last song, Jesus, We Love You. I love just the declaration that we tell Jesus how much he means to us in our life. Listen, today we're going to take our tithes and offerings right now. And as we do that, you'll see right here on the screen three ways that you can give to New Life Church. You can actually give right here to the digital campus. When you're searching through the campuses, you'll see NLC Digital right there. You can give on that link. But listen, if you're a part of another campus in the state, make sure that you give to that campus as well. So today we're going to pray for another church right here in Arkansas in Clarksville is the city. Pastor Matt Buley at The Journey. Let's pray for that church right now and also for Pastor Matt. And I want to pray a prayer of blessing after that over all of you today as we head into this Thanksgiving week. So today we just pray right now for Pastor Matt there at The Journey in Clarksville, God. Lord, I pray you just encourage that church right now. Lord, as they're in the middle of a transition, God, I pray that you would be with Pastor Matt. Just encourage him, God, in this season. Just guide him and direct him. And God, I just pray a prayer of blessing over everybody watching right now. Lord, I pray as we head into this Thanksgiving week, God, that you would bring so much joy to us, God, and our families. Lord, I pray for those that might be watching who are sick, God, that you would just heal their bodies, God. Give them the strength that they need, Lord. I pray that some, God, that are struggling in the hospitals right now, Lord, will be able to get out this week, Lord. Just touch them, Lord. And I just pray, God, just for peace and health over our families today. God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the word that we received today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, everybody, next week, you're not going to want to miss it. We'll see you right back here at 930. God bless.